Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Every single week, we talk about digital hospitality. Every business needs to be digital first, and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. We're living in one of the most interesting times it is to be an entrepreneur, to be a business owner, where there's offline businesses, online businesses, and a blending of both. That blending of both is technology. And there has never been a more important time for a business owner to have technology partners that they can trust, technology partners that help them grow. And as you guys know that have listened to this podcast, if you're new to this podcast, we are a single unit barbecue restaurant located in San Diego, East County, San Diego. Uh, we opened in 2008 at the height of the economic recession in a location that people said was not a good location. They tell you location, location, location. Um, everyone said, Sean, don't open up a restaurant in that location. Uh, we did it anyways, and in order to survive, we had to leverage technology, uh, media, social media, the smartphone specifically, um, to figure out how to get people into our restaurant. And that's put us in a position 13 years later where we're a barbecue media company, and we teach our listeners, you that listen to this podcast, how you can do the same. Uh, today, we have an incredible, incredible opportunity to talk to one of the biggest names there is in food today, and that's Uber Eats. Um, Francis. Francisco Brahm of Uber Eats, he is leading the head of global product marketing. The head of global marketing has graced us with his presence today. I can't wait to talk to you, Francisco. And uh, Therese, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks for having us. So one of the greatest things that's happened for us is that the coronavirus has really put digital hospitality into a bigger conversation. Like I said, as a ring, as a single unit restaurant, we have been in a position where we've relied on the internet, we've relied on social media, we've relied on creating content to bring people to learn how to market. Um, one of the first things that we did when we got into delivery was we got into a partnership with DoorDash. DoorDash was our first third-party delivery. Um, once the pandemic happened, we realized that we need to be on all the platforms. That was the first time we engaged with Uber Eats. Um, Uber Eats, what you guys have done and your team has done, which is why I'm excited to talk to you, is that what we believe, you know, as somebody that podcasts every single week, that talks to other founders of technology companies, people that are in media, people that are in marketing. What I do know is that it takes people. You can have great technology, but if you don't have people that understand and that are willing to work with the clients on the client side and on the customer side, you can't build anything great. Um, one of the best things that we have is that Uber Eats, our first interaction with Uber Eats was with uh, Leah Penland. She is our client support specialist. And I'll tell you a little story of how, what she's been able to do for us, which I might be throwing her under the bus, but that's okay. Cause this is digital hospitality and that's how we do it. But nonetheless, we asked her, certain things that were were pain points for us. So we have a small delivery radius around our restaurant. We are in San Diego, like I said, 3 million people in San Diego County, Spring Valley specifically, there's about 80,000 local residents. I just moved to a community that's about 10 miles away from our restaurant called East Lake. And in East Lake, they have 
a great community, online community on Facebook. And this Facebook community, they were asking for more local businesses that could come and service the area. I asked Leah, is there possible for you to find out if you know we can extend our delivery radius? And I know that's a very complicated ask, and I know that it can't happen in every market, but she fought for us and opened that up. And now... I'm able to market to a different community, extend our delivery radius and provide our barbecue to people in our neighborhood, which are all new neighbors that want to try our barbecue. So it's something that's very exciting when you get to the heart of a new company, like a company like you, when, when I say new, it's, it's amazing how big your company is, but you are new. Um, Francisco, will you give us just a two minute, let us know who you are and how you got to your position and kind of what you do for Uber Eats? Absolutely. Um, so pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for all the, the work you do in, in really sort of um, work with all restaurateurs and giving them tips and tricks and how to really um, embrace digital hospitality, which we believe um, you know, the pandemic obviously accelerated it, but we believe it will become more and more um, relevant. Um, at Uber Eats, I currently lead global product marketing for uh, merchants. Um, and that is mostly looking, how do we partner with um, Teresa's team, which leads all the product for merchants? Um, and how do we partner with restaurateurs to really bring those insights in terms of what really matters for them day to day? Um, what are their pain points, their needs, their wants? What trends are happening in the market and how can we bring all of that information, um, all of those insights, package that up and then bring it to Teresa's team so Teresa's team can really build innovative and disruptive technology that can help um, support restaurants in getting online and being able to truly sort of increase demand and, and deliver the quality of their food um, in a reliable way to, to all of their customers. That's great. And Therese, can you tell us a little bit about your background? I really appreciate you being on the call. Absolutely. So as Francisco mentioned, uh, we're closely with Francisco, but I lead our merchant product management team. And what that really means is that our team uh, is the, I would say, the bridge between the customer and the customer voice, the business side and the technology at Uber so that bringing all of these three sort of areas, their functions together to build what is best for our restaurants and our merchant partners. Um, and so I'm very excited to be be at Uber because I think I wake up every day with a completely new challenge and uh, a completely new problem to solve. And uh, as a personal foodie myself, it's, it's just the kind of the best of all worlds where I got to uh, be as close uh, as I can be uh, as someone with no professional food experience to the food makers on our platform, food makers like yourself, and uh, use technology to really help uh, business owners, businesses, their staff, and as well as the eaters who uh, love consuming that food in a way that's so salient and, and so real, especially this year when we've seen what we've seen with how COVID-19 has disrupted all of our lives. Can you, can you give us an, an idea of numbers of how many restaurants you have that you've currently Currently helped, or just just give us an idea of this global scale of of where we are now. How much you've grown during coronavirus specifically? I mean, we host a digital hospitality podcast, yet we didn't have all three, actually all four delivery platforms in our local area. Right now, we have them. They're all integrated with Otter technology. We added Toast, so that you know, there's so many different things that are happening on the ground level of how do we continue not only to stay in business, but build our digital restaurant for the future. Um, can you give us an idea of just how many, num the numbers of restaurants that we're talking about? Yeah, 
Um, so for example, as you know, Uber is a global platform, um, but we, we tend to try to be very local. Um, so we, we build teams locally as well. Um, and so we have a presence in over 45 countries, um, specifically around Eats. Um, so we are in 69 countries for Uber in general, for, but for Uber Eats, we're in 45 countries across six continents. And we have more than 500,000 restaurants on our platform wow. today um, in more than 6,000 cities. And one of the things that restaurateurs really love about Uber is this scale, because we 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 not only have 500,000 partners in our platform, but we have access to 78 million monthly active platform consumers. Uh, and this is just the numbers from last month. Um, so we we believe this number keeps increasing. So the ability to your point earlier, to increase the radius of access to consumers on our platform is a really strong value proposition for all these restaurateurs. Um, but also we have 5 million active drivers. So that means um, reliability is, is, is very high with us. We can deliver a meal in less than 30 minutes, for example, on average. Um, and we've seen um, our pickup and drop-off reliability of about 95%. Um, so that means once somebody places an order and a restaurant tour fulfills that order, that restaurant tour doesn't have to be concerned about, oh, are they going to pick up the order on time? Is my food now going to be cold and I have to reheat it? Um, because 95% of the time we are on time and we deliver in less than 30 minutes. That's incredible. Uh, Therese, one of the things I wanted to tell, talk to you about was the restaurant facing side. Um, because for me, somebody that's literally, we built our business being online and understanding that there's the consumer facing side and then there's the back end. And only when something's easy for me to update it. So it's got to be, you know, I don't have a, a, a technology background. I'm somebody that studied sociology. Like I'm the last person that should be talking about technology, but I found myself immersed in it because I'm, I get to build on the backs of giants. All these incredible people have come before us to make it easy for someone like me to go into an app or to go into a website and say, this is what I want to update my menu. I want to update, you know, the the description of the menu. I want to add a sexy photo. You guys have built something so easy for us to do, but it's not only that you've also given us great reports, easy to read reports, and you've integrated things. One of the things I do want to mention, because I've talked to Yelp, we have a great relationship with Yelp. We do things, a lot of different things with the different, different parts of Yelp. One of the things I've always talked to them about is a frustration that restaurant owners have is that we don't know when the review was written. So one of the incredible things that you guys have done is you've tied a review to a ticket. And I can't tell you how powerful that is from an operational standpoint for us to be able to go, okay, now I have, because that's really all a restaurant owner wants is if somebody had a bad experience, well, when was it? Was it during the Chargers Raiders game? You know, it was, did I have an hour long wait when somebody had to have the bad food? Cause that's a lot different than if they came in on Monday and there was, you know, two servers on and somebody got ignored. But when you tie it to a ticket, you, now you have context. So that's a, that's one of the things I wanted to applaud you on. I don't know. I know that I know that somebody did that somewhere, and I want to tell you how great of a feature it is. Yes, that's wonderful. I'll certainly pass that on to the team because uh, every day we wake up, you know, exactly what you said, like trying to solve all of these problems, but all of them are grounded in what we call our customer obsessed 
focus, right? So before anything, we want to make sure we understand restaurateurs like yourself, what your needs are, what gives you the pain points every day. We're not here to chase sexy sort of technologies just for the sake of, of creating sexy technology. And so, um, you know, I, I'll give you a, a couple more examples, I think, to round out the excellent example you gave, right? Um, we have a couple of different ways in which we think about the tools we provide restaurants. The first is, is it helping restaurateurs like yourself get more orders and sales and customers, right? After all, like that is, that is, uh, if I were a restaurant, that is all I care about, right? It's like, I'm signing up with you, Uber Eats. Like, how are you helping me uh, grow my business? Especially now when it's, it's a bit more difficult to do the dine-in uh, business. Delivery is really becoming such an essential pinnacle of that. So we create a lot of uh, what I call demand levers or tools in which restaurateurs can really promote their products, right? Get more awareness, um, run different types of promotions, right? We have restaurateurs who are experimenting their way through, should I do a buy one, get one free? Should I do a happy hour? Should I do a, um, maybe, you know, I want to promote a larger basket size or a ticket size. And so I want to do something like, if you order at least $20, I'll give you, you know, $3 or $4 off, something like that, just to create. And, and we love that, right? That's something that only digital can do, where you can really almost like to use a tech term, A-B test your way into different tactics and strategies, whereas maybe in the brick and mortar world, you're not able to easily do that and get that real-time data and feedback. Unless you're you're crazy like me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And exactly. And we want to democratize that because whether you are a sort of very, very large enterprise or a two-person ramen shop down the street, we want the same tools to empower everyone equally. The second uh, type of of theme around tooling we think about a lot is, is it going to help you understand how to perform? perform better, right? Um, And so we're excited, for example, for the fact that we uh, have launched a mobile app for business owners that tells you in real time, because we know business owners are always on the go, right? They're not sitting just at a desk tethered watching things happen on a computer. They're visiting stores, they're visiting suppliers, they're talking to staff. So we wanted a mobile solution that really alerted business owners every time something potentially in the store goes wrong. Like, oh, maybe there's you know five orders have already been canceled and the deliveries aren't going out or so on. And we've heard uh, a lot of appreciation for that as well, because it really was grand in the behaviors that our restaurateurs were already adopting. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating for me when, you know, you have a technology company like Uber Eats that you already have built such a significant base and now you're adding to it into a niche of food, which is a very huge niche. But nonetheless, you're able to tap into things that so many of our conversations that I have with U.S. Foods, who's our primary food vendor, talking to them about mobile things that are built for mobile, mobile first websites, mobile first apps so that my manager doesn't have to go and use, go back to the back office or call a sales rep to come in that has proprietary software that, you know, it's literally, they go to the walk-in, they see that we are, have this many briskets. Now they can order on their mobile app, this many briskets, and there's nothing in between. So the fear from old companies is that, oh, now we're eliminating jobs. But in fact, now it's empowering that salesperson to spend more time with my needs. Stop wasting time on these inefficient old ways of doing business. Let the technology solve that problem. And let's use our brains, critical thinking to solve bigger problems. Exactly. And what we found is that this just frees up more time for restaurateurs to be with their staff, to interact with their customers instead of fiddling around with, you know, something in the back office, as you said. So I guess one of the questions I have for you is how... 
Cause it's so hard. Cause you, you want to create a feedback loop, right? You want to create a feedback loop from restaurant owners, people that are boots on the ground that are telling you ideas. You also have your own engineers, your own, your own people that are coming up with ideas. How, how do you, how do you make the sausage? How do you, how do you make, how do you go? We have all these ideas. Let's roll this out. Now, once you roll out a product, it's one thing to turn it on technology and say it's live. It's another thing completely to get me and my team to know that, Oh, Hey, by the way, we added this widget. And this widget is going to help you do this X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I think there are actually two lens here. So I, I, I'm eager to pull Francisco into the conversation because I think like talk, it starts with listening to customers. And maybe Francisco, you want to talk a bit about that and I can pick up where you leave off. Yeah, absolutely. So we believe that the better way to really not only come up with better products, but actually communicate to, with you is really to um, ground all of our work, whether it's product or marketing, in the understanding of your day-to-day. Uh, we often forget that your day-to-day uh, is unpredictable. Your day-to-day is, like to Teresa's point, is filled with uh, interactions with multiple different people. And we can't expect you to be ready to listen to what we have to say when we want to say it. So yeah. we really want to build a, a solid foundation and understanding of the day-to-day of, of restaurateurs, especially small, medium restaurateurs, yeah. uh, which I think it is the backbone of the restaurant economy. And so what we're trying to do going forward is really uh, building up a national listening tour, which actually announced two weeks ago um, during the Postmates um, acquisition uh, announcement. And what we want to do is really have local teams meet up frequently um, with restaurateurs in the local area. Um, it's not going to be driven by someone you know, sitting. Well, initially it will be virtual, but eventually we want it to be physical in person. But it won't be someone uh, centrally located then trying to talk to everyone. It will be actually very locally specific where we will have a local sales account lead meeting up with the restaurateurs in, a combina- in combination with product people, marketing people, policy, pricing, so we can all have a, a really open debate about what really matters to you and, and actually even give you a seat at the table in terms of providing and influencing what we are working on towards the future. Um, and then we want to build sort of advisory groups where we can actually bring some representatives to this group to actually help us sort of think through uh, trends that we're not seeing um, that you are experiencing and, and we can build better platforms as well. From a marketing perspective, to answer your point is how do you get to us to get to know about <laughs> all that it's new. Um, yes. Obviously, there, there's a lot of work we still need to do in order to provide you with the right educational content. Um, and, and I think this is a key priority for us. Not, I don't think, I know it is a key priority for us. We've been talking a lot about it internally. I think I mentioned to you, digital hospitality is a core focus area for our uh, H1 2021 plans. And we really want to be able to build um, a peer-to-peer interaction model where you actually have restaurateurs like yourself who are very successful using some of our tools, explain how you use them and the benefits of it directly to other restaurateurs. And we want to facilitate that conversation. We don't want to be the middleman. We want to be the technology that enables you as an experienced, successful restaurateur to help other uh, restaurateurs, aspiring uh, entrepreneurs to be equally successful using our digital hospitality tools. I 
could can't appreciate that more more that that means so much to me because that's truly the position that we find ourselves in. We we've built our business. We know that a rising tide lifts all ships. I mean, we've never competed to be the best barbecue in San Diego. We always wanted to be part of a barbecue movement. The craft beer industry in San Diego, they built they built this incredible industry on the backs of sharing information and by sharing that information, by building a movement, people know that San Diego's got incredible craft beer. And that was our approach with how we do our barbecue. That's why we reach out to other barbecue restaurants. That's why we reach out to other podcasters. But especially in the technology space, we've been working with Toast, like I had mentioned, we were with Aloha for 12 years. Aloha was the best technology when we signed up in 2008 for how to run our full service restaurant and sports bar. But we made the switch to Toast and now Toast is taking feedback from us, my general manager, Eric, myself, from Howard Solomon, who's our consultant, who's helping us add more ghost kitchen locations. They're taking feedback and actually literally making improvements within weeks. I mean, it's incredible when you have a team that's dedicated. And like I said, you can have great technology, but if you don't have the people that are going to go and run through the wall for you, it's not going to do anything. And like what I, what I appreciate with companies that understand that is that they keep those sales reps close to the sun. So they've got all these little, all these people like me, women, men, people that are there, they put their hearts, blood, sweat, tears into putting, opening up this business, this entrepreneurial business, but like we can't do it ourselves. So we need each other more than anything because we can give you feedback, which will help empower your teams to not, it's not solving my problem. You're solving every restaurant like me that sells barbecue. You're selling that across globally. That's right. You know, and we can actually have that conversation because we have people that listen to the podcast in Australia. We have people that listen in Denmark. We have people that listen in Canada that are in the food business. And we can talk about exactly these kinds of things that we're talking about, which is why it's so exciting for me. It's exciting for me because if you meet the right people with the right company at the right place, then something really special can happen. Can you guys tell us a little bit about what's happened? I know it's difficult because the conversation is about the pandemic is about all the loss of all the restaurant closures. I try to be somebody that goes out and talks about the positives um, because of all the technology that is coming. And I also believe that as restaurant owners, we've put ourselves in a position where people want great food. Like we want to have great food, but getting access to the great food, I can't do that by myself. Can I do that? Yes, I could hire a driver to go out and do that. But I know based off of my own experience, based off of the things that I've read, it's just not, it's not, I'm not in the logistics game. I already have, I want to build on the backs of giants. I want to have a technology partner like you guys that understand that already, that can help me do that and do it at scale which is why we're looking into ghost kitchens. Can you talk about specifically about the positive things that you've seen during uh, the coronavirus? Absolutely. Uh, I can start. And then I think, Therese, you have a lot to complement given how many um, product functionality we were able to release. Um, but of course, the pandemic has, this has been a tough year for everyone in general. But I think especially if you look um, at the business owners, the restaurateurs. Um, and for us, it was very critical that we we become a, a partner um, and, and help them navigate these um, uncertain times. And so one of the things we, we immediately wanted to do is um, let's first off start by understanding that, um, you know, in a pandemic environment, 
establishment where um, there's a lot of you know stay at home orders, um, restaurateurs will be um, cash strapped. So we need to be able to number one quickly um, roll out um, functionality that allows restaurateurs to get, for example, daily payouts. Um, so this is something that Teresa's team has been working uh, and worked very closely uh, with the engineering team in making sure that we enable people um, or restaurant owners to be paid on a daily basis immediately so that they can have more cash to run their operations effectively. So uh, as opposed to having to wait until the end of the week um, to get the payout. And, and we, we kept this, this feature completely free. Um, so we didn't want to charge any fees for it. Even though there's transaction fees, we want to make sure that this is something we want to enable and make it available so you have cash readily available every day. Um, in addition to that, we also um, knew that um, it, it is important that just because you have stay-at-home orders and, and, and you, you don't necessarily have the capacity to actually have dine-in, that you still have the capacity to um, allow um, you know, your customers or other customers in our platform to come and pick up um, your, your, your food, um, what take out and pick up. So we also, uh, waived a lot of those fees as well, um, for, for pickup and, and, and also, um, even for onboarding fees. So if you, if you're not certain about joining Uber Eats during this pandemic, we also wanted to waive all activation and onboarding fees, um, come join our platform platform, um, start just offering takeout, um, and we will not charge you those fees. Um, so we really wanted to make sure that you just feel comfortable, number one, um, coming online and, and parking with Uber Eats. And then in addition to that, we, we, we've also wanted to make sure that uh, we don't just um, think about, uh, you know, allowing our the, the diners to contribute to the couriers or delivery people, but also contribute to restaurants as well. Um, I think those familiar with our platform, they know there's always this uh, ability to give a donation or a contribution or a tip to the person delivering the food to you. But we wanted to make sure we don't forget that people actually, you know, creating the food for you. So we actually created um, in a record time, which again, I'll let actually um, Therese talk about it because this was really incredible how quickly we were able to come up with this uh, tool to allow, um, you know, um, eaters to, or, or diners to offer a donation to restaurant owners every time they purchase an order. Um, and, and so we see a total of about $3 million being donated from consumers, about 500,000 of those was in California. Wow. And we wanted to make sure that we also match that donation. So for every dollar um, that was being donated by consumers, Uber Eats was donating an additional dollar for the National Restaurant Association Fund to really help educating um, and, and, and also provide funds to a relief fund for, for restaurant owners. Um, but I'll let also Lisa talk more about also some of the other technology that we released um, and even maybe talk more about how quickly the team was able to actually uh, come up with the donation contribution um, tool. Yeah, that's incredible. Definitely, I mean, I think, uh, so it was record time. It was seven, we, we got something from a blank piece of paper, just an idea in our heads to a full launch of this donation feature in seven days. Uh, teamwork nonstop nights and uh, nights and at least one weekend to kind of get it through. And um, it was really in response to a groundswell of support from our eaters, which is very inspiring, right? A lot of eaters were writing us unsolicited saying, hey, I am really concerned about my neighborhood restaurants. I want them to stay alive through all of this. I want to be able to, you know, donate uh, what, whatever I can, big or small, to them um, in a way that is easy for them to receive with zero strings attached. And so 
every, you know, we, we wanted to make good on, on that because we wanted to show our commitment, but more importantly, and empower and enable. We're just one company. We can't do everything. We can't save the world, but we can really harness the power of, of millions of users, um, you know, every day who are transacting through our platform. And that's what we ended up doing with this. Um, the first two weeks, as Francisco mentioned alone, we raised $3 million uh, for U.S. restaurants. Uh, as, of, as, as of now, we've had over $20 million donated to different restaurants around wow. the world just because of this feature. And I think to your point, uh, Sean, when you said it, what really matters is not just technology, but the people behind it and the speed with which technology and people can come together. It's a really great example. Seven days, one feature, $20 million, a whole host of people who are just incredibly passionate on all sides. I mean, that's super incredible. And it, it we were talking before the podcast started, uh, Francisco and I, just about where we've come in the last 20 years. And you think about, you know, we're rounding out 2020. I, I graduated high school in 2000. I'm a, I consider myself a fringe millennial, you know, somebody that's talking about technology, but technology, it, it, it's never been so much a part of who we are and what we do, but now generationally, because of the pandemic has accelerated what you guys know as a company, what I know, what so many people know, but it's getting the offline businesses online, which is why we started this podcast to begin with. It's, you know, it's empowering people to go, hey, this is your Apple phone. Let's put your credit card in there. And then now you can use Apple Pay. And like, even for someone like me, I had to get over my own fear of, well, if I do it wrong at the checkout, I don't want to look like the idiot that's holding up the entire line because I don't know how to use Apple Pay. But like once I do it, it's this aha moment and that aha, oh shit moment where I'm like, wow, that's why am I going to take out my credit card, you know, fight with the machine and put it in there. But to your point, what you guys are doing is you're using the team that you have, the team that you have in place to listen and then to take action. And when you listen and take action, you can actually make an impact. And you can make an impact so big because of all these users, because of these people that are already loyal to your brand that go, hey, I wanna help my local restaurant, the mom and pop shop, that they don't even have a POS machine, they handwrite their tickets. But I can talk to them about, hey, you could get on Uber Eats. And like, you can even actually have, I bet you do have examples of customers literally helping their mom and pop shops get on these platforms and start to build sales that will actually be generational into the future. And, that, and that's one of the reasons why I, I really truly love the work we do here. It, we, we actually were able to survey a few restaurants um, during the pandemic. We just wanted to know how we can better partner with them. And we wanted to know how um, they've been sort of partnering with us, their experience with partnering with us. And what was really sort of like motivating for us and heartwarming was the response rate that we got uh, across 400 restaurants that we talked to, 75% of them said they had they would have to close their business if it wasn't for um, Uber Eats. Or 81% yeah. of them said I would have had to let, let go of some of our staff members if not for your ability to actually deliver the food for us. And I think for us, we often forget that um, you know we we yes we are a tech company, but ultimately we are really just an enabler for these, um, you know, entrepreneurs to sort of keep their businesses successful, successfully running, even in times of, you know, of, of unprecedented pandemic. So for us, when we got those stats really uh, gave us a whole sense of appreciation about the mission we have. 
It's, in, it's incredible. I think, I mean, just to, to your point, we, we didn't have Uber Eats until a month after the full lockdown. And just in that time, we've already done over $200,000 in sales that we wouldn't have done otherwise. I mean, that's, those are hard numbers. I mean, I'm looking at the dashboard that your team built before we got on the call and I'm looking at it and I mean, it, it's phenomenal, but it's not only the sales because the sales helped me keep half of my staff still employed but it's the analytics behind the sales that I didn't have before because it's empowering for me to know that now I have these tools that are easy to read, easy to bring to a manager meeting and easy to respond to. So I have Steven, my catering manager, that's going through the reviews. We're responding to the reviews. It's a lot of work for a restaurant owner to manage Uber Eats, DoorDash, Grubhub, Postmates, their Toast tab, and then if they're doing partial dining, and then they need to do social media marketing, and then they need to do email marketing, and they need to update their website, and then they need to make sure their food's coming in. And then on top of all that, alcohol beverage control did something great for restaurants and bars, but restaurants specifically, because you have to sell food in California specifically, they allowed us to sell alcohol to go, which was just, I mean, if there's anything that I didn't expect during the coronavirus out of all the unexpected, it, that was definitely high up on the list, which is, it's a, it's a big list, but can you tell us about when something like that happens because you're a global company? I mean, it's hard enough in the United States when you're talking about just the state of California, versus all the other states of what are the rules, regulations that we're allowed to do. And then you have restaurant owners like me is like, hey, Uber Eats, you guys are a great partner. Can you make it happen? Can you just flip the switch? What can you can you walk me through that process? Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. I think our, our, our wish is always 24 hours later, you know, with, with <laughs> we're just, we just want to flip the switch. And, and honestly, I think Uber is definitely one of those companies. I think the best company I've worked for where we, we are coming close. I don't think it's always 24 hours, but we build our technology so scalably that it is um, less difficult, I would imagine, for us to do things like that and respond rapidly. And I think so just to give you an example specifically, since we're talking about alcohol, um, the regulations just came through and they're state by state. So we can't even even just like flip it on everywhere every single time for you know the same exact circumstances but alcohol delivery is now available in more than 50 cities across 12 states um either from restaurants or liquor stores because both obviously um are, are quite pertinent and fulfill an important need there uh Wait, so you guys, you guys have delivery with uh liquor stores as well we do have uh, liquor stores as well who have signed wow. up. And so we're, awesome. we're a broader merchant team now. And, you know, the, the it's certainly very different, right? When you're when you're looking to liquor stores for what to buy, bottles and cases versus sure. cocktail. I, I personally order a lot of cocktails with my restaurant food. And it's it's definitely um, uh, uh, made a lot of my stay-at-home dinners a lot more enjoyable. I will say that. Um, so we have been working ex, uh, extensively to expand this to even more cities because we know how much of a lifeline alcohol sales are to yes. restaurants and so we're working very closely with alcohol regulators in every state because we want to make sure we do this safely um, and we do this compliantly so we, in terms of safety we have id scanning technology to make sure that when um uh, alcohol is, is part of an order that our delivery people are really checking uh, that and have like a full process to follow when they're delivering that to the customer. Um, you know, when um, when a customer is ordering, we sort of give them the warning that, hey, you must be 21 and over to do this and you must be able to show a valid ID. Um, and we also have uh, made it such that customers 
who uh, are especially people who are struggling and want to stay sober, uh, they can opt out of seeing alcoholic items because we know that oh, wow. really? for, for everyone. And so we want to make that sure really we have cool. this opportunity. Um, so I think it's, it's a good example of something that, you know, we, we, Certainly, there was an external catalyst that really prompted us to react really quickly. And I'm really proud of the way we've been able to react. And hopefully restaurants are seeing the the benefits of that very quickly as well. Well, I think it's a great just lesson in general. And I think the pandemic has probably put that out on all entrepreneurs and business owners is your ability to pivot and to take information from your trusted partners and then act on that information. And that's something that thankfully we have an incredible team here, you know, with Cali Barbecue and Cali Barbecue Media that we're able to see something like alcohol to go and it gets approved and we can just post that on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram and on LinkedIn and say, you know, Hey, ABC approved this. Would you guys be interested in us selling cocktails and then get the feedback? Because it's one thing to be a lifeline for us, but we, until this happened, I forgot how much we've built a community of people that love our bartenders. They love our drinks. They love like, and by giving them that ability to not only support us, but to have a little bit of taste of what we do at their home, that margarita, you know, that fishbowl, it's something that's different and it's unique, but it, it's exciting. It's exciting because it's really the future of food. It's the future of beverage. It's back to this not discriminating how somebody's gonna get that rack of ribs. They don't have to come and wait in line for three hours or wait, you know, whatever we had to do in the past or fight for parking or get the kids in the car. Like you can have technology partners like Uber Eats that say, no, you've ordered ribs before from this place. Like now you have, like now you have the loyalty tools where you're actually getting rewarded for that, which is super, super exciting. Yeah, exactly. I think we, um, I think two two things I want to emphasize there that you touched on for us, like partnering with restaurants is it doesn't end when you're on the platform. It's really just the beginning, and so the we work really hard to make insights available. Um, for free, by the way, these are all things that we just want to say, hey, we have some data about what customers are searching for, what they want, right? And um, we also are are able to kind of amalgamate all of that in a way that's easy for you to use. And so the hope is that, and the vision is that you aren't sitting there or your managers aren't sitting there looking at graphs of reams and reams of, of columns of data. We want to synthesize that and say, actually, you know what? Last Wednesday, your order shot up. Um, you know, maybe it's because of this, or maybe it's because of that, or or maybe something went wrong during this particular hour of the day. You might want to talk to your staff about it. We want to consolidate all of that into something that's more packageable, and we call them insights. We don't like talking about analytics or reporting because we think that's just the first step. What what uh, what we you really care about is the insight from the analytics. It's not the it's not the analytics itself. I couldn't agree more. And it, when when you have as much technology as we're surrounded by and that we need in order to survive, it, you get inundated with reports and it's what report matters. And the easy to read report and the important numbers on that report or the ability to customize the features based off of the restaurant, that's powerful. And also integration is powerful. Can you tell talk to me a little bit about any of your, you know, your ideas towards integration? I mean, like I said, we're we're partnered with Toast. Toast is our technology partner for our point of sale system. They've done an incredible job. I mean, us switching over what we've been able to do on Father's Day, Mother's Day, it, we'd usually be open for 14 hours. We've done more sales 
without even opening the restaurant. We've literally sold out a barbecue without opening the restaurant on Father's Day. We did more sales on Mother's Day in four hours than we did in 14 hours. But like now that we have toast and KDS systems and all these other things, it's enabling us to give a better experience of our barbecue. It's enabling us to also add delivery. Can you talk about integrations with um, other technologies? Yeah, definitely. I think um, integrations are a huge part of what we do because it stems from the prince core principle we follow, which is don't make restaurateurs have to work doubly hard just to be on Uber Eats, right? I always tell my team, don't give them a headache. That's kind of our number one rule. Like we already know everything that you are you are doing, literally putting out fires in the kitchen all the way through trying to manage multiple delivery providers. It is hard. And our goal is to help you know, food makers focus on making food, not on troubleshooting their IT integrations. And so with that said, uh, we actually have a very robust POS integration program all around the world. Uh, POS market is quite fragmented, as I'm sure you've seen. Yes. So uh, we actually have over a thousand different partners integrated, wow. different POS systems, very large. Like you mentioned Aloha a while ago, we are integrated. Um, with with them and NCR more broadly, um, and and down to the smallest ones as well. Uh, we certainly can't do everything all at once, but we are adding more. We have a very turnkey operation, and we're we're certainly prioritizing the ones that uh, a lot of restaurants have gravitated towards for sure. Francisco, I'd love for you to talk about ghost kitchens, cloud kitchens, the opportunity for restaurants, the data that you guys have that is. I know why we're opening up cloud kitchens. Can you talk to our audience about the opportunities that are available to somebody that, um, you know, I had I had a woman reach out to me, her and her husband, they listened to um, a podcast that I was on and they reached out, it's hot fat, hot, hot mess food truck in, in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And I, they reached out to me, I had a great conversation with them, but I talked to them like, have you considered ghost kitchens? Because there's a huge opportunity and there's never been a better time to have great food, but then to have the ability to partner with someone like Uber Eats at a ghost kitchen location and get your food out 365 days out of the year and build in the regular customer. Because what we talk about is ghost kitchen, virtual kitchen. We talk about a friendly ghost and a friendly ghost. I mean, that's a branded ghost. You know who it is. You know the family, you know the story. We use social media to tell the story, but also you want to build in loyalty. It's not, a, we're not in the transaction, but we wouldn't be open for 13 years if we were in the transaction business. You've got to take care of people and build in that loyalty. Can you um, talk to talk to the restaurant owners or somebody that's thinking about opening up a restaurant? Why, um, why the numbers and what you're seeing, um, what they're telling you? Yeah, so I, I, I can certainly talk through like the value that cloud kitchens can bring. Um, one thing to keep in mind is um, it really restaurants are the, at the center of any culture, right? Like it, it, when you move into a neighborhood, you tend to think about what restaurants are around it um, because certain neighborhoods actually become known for the type of restaurants they have uh, because of that experience. Having said that, we also understand that real estate costs are going through the roof um, and, and especially in California, right? That, that's just a trend that we've been seeing even through the uh, 2008 recession. We, we didn't see real estate prices slow down. So, there's a lot of increasing opportunities for food entrepreneurs, someone who's a, a truly pa passionate about, you know, cooking, um, has the ability to actually come up with, you know, novel culinary methods. Um, and so instead of always looking for, uh, you know, the increased overhead of, of actually having to open uh, a full um, restaurant and, and having um, a lot of staff and having a lot of 
you know, experience built, built into that. Um, for young food entrepreneurs that are looking to start um, a virtual restaurant or also known as sometimes as a commissary kitchen, could always be um, a, a good sort of first start and a first trend. Because what it really allows um, them to do is um, the ability to actually come up with their own menu, uh, the ability to use then a platform like Uber Eats to distribute that menu to, across multiple users, test that out. And that one entrepreneur doesn't even have to run just one brand. They can actually run multiple brands out of one virtual kitchen. Um, they can decide if they want to sort of play with a menu around specific a specific cuisine, and then they want to play with a different cuisine. They can actually build two separate brands online in our platform um, and then help uh, use our tools to actually drive the growth and, and use our, um, for example, um, advertisement technology that we have to our 70 plus million consumers to actually raise awareness about those brands. Um, they, they can then use offers to actually convert some of those, those um, awareness into actually say, actual sales and then create loyalty programs for the different brands all in our platform. So I think more and more you'll find that, um, you know, for those uh, very savvy, um, great uh, chefs that are out there that a lot of the times feel like they don't have the capacity to enter the restaurant business because they don't understand the the, the day-to-day of running a restaurant or they don't have the capacity to actually uh, pay for real estate. Virtual kitchens could be, or cloud kitchens, could be um, a good way to to have have them sort of enter the restaurant space, provide still millions of consumers with with um, the, the their favorite menus and in food, um, and and we are there to help and, and sort of become the enable to to help them grow out of um, those cloud kitchens. And what kind of things are you doing with your existing? Uber Eats restaurant clients as far as helping them understand those those analytics, like you were saying, like, hey, you're in Spring Valley and we can see that a bunch of people are looking for hamburgers, but there's no one serving hamburgers. Like what what kind of initiatives do you have around helping assist on that? Because that helps you guys deliver more food. It helps the hungry customer who's looking for a hamburger. Um, where, where are you at on that? Yeah, we have so many different types of insights and we're adding more and more as we speak. I'll give you a few examples. I think one is, is exactly what you said, which which is demand insights. Like who's demanding your food, what, where, when, right? Uh, and you know, uh, for, for, you know, we do the, the delivery of this insight in a variety of ways. We have our self-serve, you know, sort of a, a restaurant manager portal or Uber Eats manager portal that people can log into. We're actually beta testing, beta testing uh, and recently kind of hot off the presses a few days ago, rolled out kind of an insights library of, of sorts based on your data personalized to you, what you, you know, um, one, how you're performing relative to your competitors, cool. right? And two, what can you do about it? And so we've already had a fantastic sense of feedback from restaurants who are discovering it on their own. No marketing yet. Francisco's team hasn't even gone in and sort of, um, <laughs> um, told the world about this yet, but people are discovering it and they're saying, aha, like, you know, we have insights that say, well, you know, um, uh, 40% of competitors are have more uh, retained customers than you do. You might want to consider uh, running a loyalty program through Uber Eats to kind of retain more of your customers over time, right? So that's one 
one sense of or one type of insight. The other type of insight is really just customers in general. And um, we know that uh, uh, this is really important to restaurants to understand who their customers are, where they're coming from, what they want. And typically in the past, I think we, as well as all the other delivery platforms have really just done the table stakes. Oh, here, we'll just show you how many orders you have. And, you know, this brisket is selling better than that dish and so on. But now we're kind of marrying the two of them and saying, actually, we're going to focus on the customer as a persona. So we're going to tell you on any given week, uh, what percentage and how exactly how many of your customers were new, first time triers, second time triers, third time triers, fourth time triers, or like complete VIP rock stars who have been ordering from you for years. Um, And the hope is that, and not only that, by the way, we're telling you, we're giving you a sneak peek into kind of the funnel. So like, oh, it's almost like Google Analytics for those of you and your listeners who understand that. Um, We're telling you how many people actually clicked into your store and of that, how many people placed an item in your in their cart? And of that, how many people actually got and bought for the item? So you can see your funnel and you're seeing how many people are dropping off. And so now you start to understand, hey, actually a lot of people are seeing my store, but they're not, maybe um, they're not adding anything to cart. Maybe there's, you know, my men- I, got, I can do something about my menu to make things more attractive. Or, hey, people are adding a lot of this item to my cart, but they're not checking out. I wonder why. Maybe, you know, maybe there are too many customizations they got confused or there are not enough customizations and they really didn't want that kind of cheese and they wanted to be able to swap it out and you didn't offer that. And so we're hoping that these types of insights are, are actually going to result in actions, clear actions restaurateurs can take. But we're getting more granular, we're getting more customer focused, and we're getting more um, uh, kind of, com- uh, uh, what do you call this, comparison focused. So you always know where you stand in relation to other restaurants in your area. So you know what good looks like, right? And if That's you're doing cool. really well, we celebrate that with you as well. Like if you're doing much better than most of the, most of the restaurants on the platform. It's really cool. So Francisco, I would, uh, I wouldn't be doing my job as my, the digital hospitality host. If I didn't ask you, when is Uber Eats going to be launching their podcast and start creating the media content so that someone like me can go and share it with all the groups that I'm in and let people know all the insights. I mean, the stuff that you guys just told me on this, this call that we had over zoom that turns into a podcast that will become a blog that will go on social media. I mean, this is what gets me excited because I know from meeting you how much you care. I know from the work that you're doing, I know on the back end because my managers tell me, our customers tell me, like this is the exciting stuff that I know other restaurant owners could significantly benefit from. So any 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 2021 plans for uh, the Uber Eats podcast, YouTube channel? <laughs> Certainly uh, as part of our um, 2021 plans, um, we, we, we want to, one of the things we wanted to do is really reach out more to restaurant tours and really be more front and center in the conversations, but be more um, as a sort of a, an enabler to those conversations as opposed to us telling you what to do. Yeah. We, we don't understand your business the way you understand your business sure. and, and we would never seem to do so. So can we start those conversations, whether it's a podcast, whether it's, um, you know, the ability to just have modular content on YouTube to your point. Uh, that tells tips and tricks of how to build your menu and, and, and optimize your menu for success. What kind of photography works best? Because, uh, Sean, you probably know this better than any of us on this call, that a lot of the times you go to restaurants and you don't have a ton of photography in the menu because that's not you know the, the way you build menus. Most traditionally, you have a clean menu, simple menu that you know it's easy to navigate. 
Um, but online is quite different, right? Online <laughs> yeah. photography is actually what drives a lot of engagement. And yep. we, we found that a lot of users sometimes switch between Uber Eats um, and Yelp to go on Yelp to look at photos and then come back to Uber Eats to actually decide yep. what you want to order. So like, it's it's really important that we, we put together modules and packages to how to optimize your menu and photography to be really successful. For example, you want to raise awareness. You know, we understand that going into a very crowded digital space, um, it, it tends to be overwhelming because you, you built a strong brand in your local community. Uh, people know you and you're known for certain characteristics. But when you go into this digital platform, it kind of blends in with everything else. So we want to build a module how to help you tell that story. And we are putting together really exciting technologies, which uh, we're currently piloting a few markets to actually help you tell that story and help people follow you and really engage with you in a more compelling way. Um, in addition, we have a lot of marketing tools. Some of them were actually unique to REITs that other um, you know, platforms in the space don't have. So for example, you want to raise awareness, you can advertise, um, but how to advertise, right? Because it's different than you putting a flyer outside. You actually now have to get familiar with the whole advertising bidding system that uh, it is very common in today's sort of marketing tech. We will. We want to be able to tell you exactly how to do it and, and the tips and tricks. You want to run great offers. We have an insights tab that gives you what offers works best, but also let you know, um, like you can experiment with offers and, and how to do that and, and give you some metrics. We know that up to 50% of the times when restaurants use offers, they actually convert more sales. Uh, yeah. Sorry, they convert 50% more sales when they use offers than compared to those that don't use offers. So that's another interesting point, how to run your loyalty programs. And then um, in addition to all of that, how do you communicate with your um, with your customers online? Um, what kind of functionality we have available to you to do that? So we really want to build all of those modules, which eventually will uh, either live on YouTube, on our, on our, on our website. Um, and so we that's actually a key focus area for marketing for um, H1 2021 is really building all of that um, to actually empower you to um, become more successful online and actually reach that ultimate goal, which is improve your radius, improve your reach, um, and, and, and have a solid digital brand online. So you're saying there's a chance that there'll be a podcast. That's what there's a chance there'll be a podcast. Uh, I would say um, <laughs> definitely the priority is building those modular views, as you called out, like sure. uh, whether they live on YouTube or website or um, even, you know, in, in your current apps that you use. Um, I think that's the number one priority. And then how do we then start bringing people like you as well to talk to others? Uh, and that could be one of the mediums could be a podcast, um, certainly. So we're looking at the channel as well. But first, identifying who are the experts that we can partner yeah. with, uh, sure. what is the content that we need to build, and how do we build that in a very intuitive and digestible way? Yeah, I would just, my suggestion to you is don't underestimate how powerful your platform is and all the expertise that you already have. Like you guys already are a media company and there's people out there that could significantly benefit. Like for me, I consume my content driving, but driving my kid, I drop off my son at daycare. I drive to my restaurant. I have my 15 minute window. And, you know, if there's an Uber Eats audio podcast, that's talking about the exact same things that we're talking about here, you know, that's powerful for me. That's powerful for me to share. And uh, that's, I hope great. I that's a great insight. And I agree with you, Sean. Like one of the things I miss about commuting to work, like a lot of the times it just working from home now is listening to podcasts. So hundred percent. 
Well, we're grateful for everyone that does listen to this podcast, that does share this podcast. Um, Uber Eats is very easy to find. Uh, you can Google it and you can it'll come up. Um, but I can't thank you guys enough for taking the time, uh, Therese, uh, Francisco. Like it, It's super humbling. It's super exciting to be here in 2020, to know that as busy as you are, as respected as you guys are, what you've done in your careers, that you're taking time to uh, sit down and talk to a local restaurant owner on a podcast a barbecue media company. Um, this is the world that we live in. So hopefully you guys are inspired. Hopefully you guys have a podcast coming out soon. And um, we can't wait to continue to give you feedback. I've already signed up, by the way, to be on the uh, that panel that you talked about. Wonderful. We can't wait to work with you. Yes, uh, thanks for having us. And there's nothing I'd rather do in my day than talk to restaurateurs. So this that's is so it. awesome. Yeah. Well, stay curious, get involved and ask for help. And we'll catch you guys next week. Thank All you. Right. Thanks so much, Sean. Thank you for having us.